Hey everybody, welcome to another Space About the Lakers um, and Lakers basketball. Um, thanks for joining us very late at night. Uh, today I have Raj with me, my guy Raj. Uh, yesterday I did Space kind of talking about some of the initial trade stuff uh, and what we would expect today. So um, I thought now that trade deadline's officially passed and uh, you know buyouts are still happening or whatever, uh, I thought I'd call up Raj, uh, and we would talk some basketball. Uh, so, Raj, Raj, you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you. What's going on, my guy? How are you? How are you feeling? I am still under the weather. I've got this cough since going to the Lakers game, <clears throat> and I'm almost positive. I got sick going to the game, but it was worth it because I got to see LeBron, you know, beat the record and stuff like that. Uh, or, sorry, get, get the record and stuff like that. So that was very cool. Um, your seats were pretty good too. I saw those those seats were uh, those seats weren't bad. You had a you had a nice view yeah. of, of the game. See, the trick is if you're a real Laker fan <laughs> and you've been to Laker games a lot, you know yeah. you know which side the Lakers are going to be playing on and what side LeBron's okay. going to break that record. So a lot of people when they bought their tickets, they bought <laughs> tickets to, uh, behind the Lakers bench, but they didn't realize right. that LeBron's going to break that record on the other side. Uh, because you, I mean, unless he goes ballistic and scored, I was like, "There's no way LeBron's putting 36 up in one half." So um, I was smart and I got really inexpensive seats. Well, not really inexpensive. That's kind of a lie, but like you know, not as expensive seats. Um, <clears throat> and as soon as I saw, as soon as I saw LeBron show up with the fit, I was just like, "All right, I'm not, okay. I'm not gonna fall for it. I'm not gonna buy the tickets just yet. I need to know if Savannah's gonna be there. Because if she's not gonna be there, I'm not gonna be there." I was like, I need to know that she's going to be there. And, it's, and then McMenamin followed it up with uh, right. Savannah, Gloria, and the kids. I was like, oh, shit, let me buy these tickets real fast. I was like texting my brother. I was like, bro, re- respond to me right now. Are you coming to the game with me or not? Or am I taking my wife with me? Uh, and uh, I'm sure the husbands in, that are listening to this understand the value of taking your brother uh, as opposed to taking, to your, taking your wife to a basketball game. It's so much still appreciate it. But it was, it was very cool, man. Um, I, I don't think – you know, I said it last night. Like, I don't think I've seen a Lakers game as electric as that game. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously it was, everybody was there for Braun and stuff like that, be a part of history. Uh, you know, I'm going to say this. You know how, like, everybody was just like, oh, you know, everybody's got their phone out and, and you know, like, they're recording. Right. I was like, mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, I was like, like, this is a moment in history. You know what I mean? Like, of course you watch yeah. it on TV, but it's like, if you're there and you can capture it on your phone, like it's you know it's just something you kind of keep with you forever and stuff like that. So um, everybody was doing it. Uh, I saw Kenny Kenny Smith post a video okay. of himself. I don't know if you watched the TNT coverage. He was in my section. I didn't realize he was in my section. I walked by him. Me and my brother walked by him as we were walking back to the car. I mean, I didn't say nothing to him. He's just Kenny Smith. It's not like I'm gonna be starstruck about Kenny Smith. I'll be like, yeah, whatever, bro. Like, old dude, whatever. But yeah, it was good though, man. It was good. Like, uh, what did you think of that game? Like, what you, what you? I will talk about tonight's game, but like, what what do you think about that whole event and stuff like that? Yeah. So first off, I feel for the people who bought tickets for tonight's game. You know, what yeah. I mean? Like in expectation that he would, you know, short the OKC game on purpose. And I'm, I was telling people the whole time, like we needed all his points to beat OKC. Like if people aren't watching OKC, that's a legit basketball team. Shea's a real dude and they showed why they beat us that night. But no, that, that was a crazy kind of environment. Reminded me a lot of like Kobe's last game kind of where the whole crowd's there for like 
a singular moment. I mean, you kind of focus on the game after he got the scoring, like he got the scoring record. So it was interesting. And then they stopped the whole game, which is fascinating. And there was some like maybe effects of that where he had to kind of revamp up, uh, vamp up again. And he was just unable to. So, um, yeah, it was a, it looked cool on TV at least to lose the game sucked. I'm not sure how the, how deflating that was in the building, but on TV, definitely it kind of, uh, it played out that way where it was really exciting to see LeBron, get that record and then you were kind of hit back to reality obviously way before all these trades happened and we got a brand new ball club and where the excitement was kind of rejuvenated again you were kind of like oh shit reality is like we're the 13th team and we just <laughs> lost to a team that we're that we're fighting for playoff you know uh playoff seating with so that that was kind of a a dual kind of feeling that you were kind of going back and forth with but yeah it was really interesting to see on yeah TV. i mean I'd like LeBron's like doing like a photo op, like in the middle of the quarters. Like I, I know they did it for Steph and stuff like that when he was in Madison Square Garden, and you know, like his parents uh, came out and you know his dad dapped him up and you know all that sort of stuff. That was cool, but I was just like LeBron was like crying, and I was just like, bro, is this guy gonna be able to finish this game? Like I, I don't know if he's gonna <laughs> like be, and he and he really wasn't. Like it, you could tell very very clearly. Like after he broke it, mm-hmm. he was like emotionally spent. He, I don't think he attempted a shot like that entire fourth quarter until like very late. Um, you know, and obviously we lost that game because if you can't rely on your star for whatever reason, it's not like it's his fault, but like it's, it, it makes things difficult. And then all the stuff that, um, all the stuff that you know we complain about kind of reared its head. The three guard lineups, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, you know, it, it was about LeBron, um, and you know, <clears throat> the next day it was about what was Anthony Davis doing and why wasn't he celebrating uh, and all that sort of stuff. And I messaged you privately what that yeah, was about. Sure. So that should be a little bit more clear as to why that stuff all happened the way it did. But, you know, it, it never had anything to do with LeBron. Um, didn't have anything to do with, wow. you know, not being happy yeah. or being jealous. I think that's what the timeline was thinking and stuff like that. And then we got a flurry of trades uh, today. Yesterday and today. Um, and now we got a brand new roster. So before we jump into that, very quickly, what did you think of the eight people that we had available and how they played tonight? <laughs> we lost, as expected, but it was a spirited loss, I would say. So, like, well, what, do you, what, did, what did you think about the loss today? Yes, I was going to bring up, you said, you know, it's tough when you can't rely on your star. There was another star that played that OKC game, right? Like, I was going to bring that up. Like, there was another star who played in that, played in that game and didn't you know, play up to expectations, but thought we fought for the most part. I know this was like a scheduled loss, and I, I get that from like, you know, the point of view that the Bucks are really good and we were shorthanded. I still think, Vinay, like watching this game, the opportunity cost of like losing a game you're up eight at halftime, it feels like you're playing, you know, pretty well. Austin is going off. He's having a good game, and he's probably – he's likely on a – he's on a minutes restriction of some sort. Um, Dennis Schroeder had an awesome game. You got really good contributions – AD getting three, you know, five fouls, and I think three of them offensive fouls just really messed his rhythm up. His aggression still isn't looking at the place it's supposed to be. But, yeah, eight-man rotation, you fought hard against the Bucks. Um, But, yeah, like, I'm kind of battling those two things. Like, obviously, this is a scheduled loss, but you're also in, like, you're no longer in the business of moral victories. So, like, I know how to feel. Like, yeah, sure, this is the loss you're supposed to have, and the guys that we're supposed to play play well. I think Darvin is now forced to play big. You saw that tonight. You did get some three-guard lineups. I think that was kind of forced because of the people who are available. But I hope this is kind of like what we see going forward. There was a lot of 
there was Wenyan and AD lineups. I'm not sure when the last time we've seen that. It's been a while since I've seen Wenyan and AD play together. Um, but what do you feel about that? How do you like see that, I guess? As like, are you just okay with this loss tonight? I, I think this game was there, Vinay. Like, the Bucks weren't playing great. Like, I think they were playing fine. Giannis was obviously – I thought Rui did a fine job. I thought Middleton hit tough shots. Drew hit tough shots. Giannis hit, like, three prayers that went in because, of course, they did. But where are you at with that? Yeah, so, um, you know, before I say anything, uh, I just want to say Dennis Schroeder <laughs> said a couple of days ago that the Lakers could only afford, like, nine losses. And we've already got two. <laughs> so <laughs> our margin of error is pretty thin now with 26 games left. Yep. Um, and I, I, I remember joking. I, uh, I remember joking on the timeline. I said, uh, that, like, we don't have any margin to be thinking this way to think that we can even afford any losses. And then a lot of people are responding to me. Like, clearly I'm saying, like, try to win every game. But obviously we know we're not going to. And then I get people responding to me saying, well, it's not realistic that we're going to win 28 in a row. I was like, yeah, like, I'm not saying I'm not saying win 28 in a row. Like, you know, there's, like, a gray area. It's just Twitter. I always laugh because it's like Twitter. It's like, how did we go to two extremes? But anyways, um, this was a winnable game. Uh, oh, I won't say it's a winnable game. I think there was a, there was a big talent disparity uh, on the floor. Yeah. But I think, sure. I think, like, the effort disparity kind of made up for it. And you got um, – you know, you got, like, production out of Dennis, and you got production out of um, – I mean, you got some nice minutes out of Wenyan. You got some nice minutes out of Lonnie, Reeves, Troy. They, they all did really well um, to keep it close, and, and they kind of pulled away at the end. AD had a non-impactful game today to me. Uh, That's a good way to put it. And, you know, I got a lot of heat for this last year when, I, when, when Braun was out. And – you know, AD was putting up 25 and 10. And then, you know, I remember I tweeted out, I said, look, man, AD's talented enough to get 25 and 10 if all he does is run up and down the floor. But we need, there's something that's missing with that. And people are like, oh, no, what about, what about Russ? Russ is not giving you enough. I was like, you guys don't understand. Like, when AD gives you 25 and 10, that's impactful. You can tell what that is. And it felt like today, you know, he was in foul trouble, so that was part of it. But I felt like he was floating a little bit today. Like, not... Definitely. Like the uh-huh. offense wasn't running through him. It was more like he was just floating within whatever was happening in the offense. Um, that's been a thing for the past, I don't know, four games, three, four games, uh, maybe since the Knicks game. Um, or sorry, since the Pacers game. I don't know what that is. Uh, but I don't know if the Lakers can afford for him not to be – like for him to play that way. Um I, like he's got to be able to get guys in foul trouble, be a force on the glass, offensive, defensive rebounds, putbacks, all that kind of stuff. Like make other teams have to dedicate extra bodies to, you know, like to box him out or whatever. Um, and if he's not doing that, that makes him less impactful. And so uh, that's just what I thought of today's game, you know, like loss or no loss. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to explain what, what he's doing when he's floating, but, um, it's a little bit of a concern. I'm not fully concerned yet, but I'm a little concerned about the fact that he kind of does that. And it doesn't show up in the box stats if you don't watch the game. But if you watch the game, you can see it. What do you, what do you think about it? You think floating is the right way to describe kind of what he's doing? Yeah, I, I think that is. I think floating makes it sound like he was very disinterested. And maybe I'm not sure if that's exactly how you meant it, but I, I could totally see that. And I think like the bar, like, yeah, I, I tweeted out, he had 23 and 16. And that's probably the most quietest 23 and 16 you'll ever see right like it didn't feel 
like he was dominating the game. Like Giannis had 18 rebounds, and you felt every rebound, right? Like it felt like you. What did he finish with? Uh, actually, Giannis only had 10 boards, but uh, it felt like he dominated the, the the boards, and he was like dominating the game. It didn't feel like that from AD, and I think the bar that I kind of look at with him, and obviously these numbers don't tell you the whole story, but I look at blocks and steals for AD, um, and he had zero blocks, zero steals, and also five turnovers as well. That's just too high. Um, to me, for a guy who just not the offense isn't running through him in that way, and also the Bucks are a good like defensive team. They throw Brook Lopez on him. They throw they throw Giannis on them. They they do throw doubles at him. But it did feel like there was a lack of aggression there, and maybe because we're shorthanded, this is a game that the whole team kind of maybe felt this is a game that you're supposed to lose. But yeah, no, I totally get that. It wasn't a like twenty and three and sixteen should feel extremely impactful, and it just didn't. It didn't feel like he was dominating the game or. Like, it didn't feel like he put his imprint on the game. He brought up the foul trouble. That might be it. Um, but, again, three offensive fouls. I, that's tough. Like, where he got his fifth foul, I believe, late in the third. I feel like that was kind of the reason we lost tonight. I think I wish Darwin kind of put him in a little bit earlier. But I totally agree with you. It just didn't feel right. Nine for 22 from the field. Only six free throws. That's that's too low to me. And there were some plays where he didn't get the call. But six free throws to Giannis shooting 13. Um, and then Giannis hit all pretty much all his. He was nine for 13. It just... I don't know. Yeah, like, you're right. You see the box score. You're like, oh, 23 and 16. But you watch the game. It just didn't feel like it. Like, it just didn't feel like he was putting an imprint on the game. And uh, you said you're not sure if the team can, you know, withstand that. I know they can't. Like, these trades mean nothing if AD's not the guy he was in December and November. Like, I, I know that for damn sure. Like, that's this whole thing revolves on, around him and Braun being the top of their league, being all NBA first team players. And this wasn't it. And maybe he's still coming back for imagery. I still have, you know, um, sympathy for that. Where like, he's still trying to get his rhythm back. And, um, but the last two games definitely haven't been uh, exciting uh, in that nature. I, it's tough though. Like, again, you see the numbers, you're like, damn, he had a, it's hard to attack a guy for 20 and three and 16, but I totally get what you're saying. It was not an impactful one. It wasn't a dominant one. He didn't have a two way force to me, the way that he should be against a Milwaukee team, uh, even on the minutes where Giannis was <coughs> off the floor and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was, so the, the easiest way I can describe it is if you're watching this game, if you were watching this game live or if you end up rewatching this game, um, there's a stretch of basketball where Austin Reeves is just doing everything on the floor offensively for the Lakers. And you could tell like, he was yeah, you could tell like he's commanding the game for those minutes that he's there. It was like him, him and yeah. Lonnie kind of switching off back and forth. Like we didn't get that stretch from AD and granted, like you said, it was foul trouble and stuff like that. I feel like when we don't get those sort of stretches from him, um, mm-hmm. that's when you know he's not having an impactful game. Like there's 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 something there's like a stretch of something that you get out of AD. Like he just you know three four plays down, he comes down and blocks a bunch of shots or alters a bunch of shots. Like that's when I know okay, AD's locked in, or offensively yeah. he's just you know finishing at the rim over and over again, or just attacking his matchup and stuff like that. Like when we don't get consistent stretches of that out of him when he's supposed to be the main guy or when the offense is supposed to run through him, that's when I get like, like I get a little concerned. I, I wouldn't say worried because obviously when LeBron comes back, margin of error will be much higher. We've got a much better roster now that we'll talk about in a second. But it's just that part kind of worries me a little bit um, because I, I love the fact that Lonnie played great. I love the fact that Austin played with confidence. Um, Dennis went off, but it's like, I I I would rather not them have to. I I'd rather Dennis not have to put up twenty five. Like if Dennis gives me right. ten and six in great defense, but eighty is giving me like the eighty that I expect him to get. We're probably going to win by like fifteen. 
You know what I mean? But if Dennis is giving mm-hmm. me 25 and 10 and we're barely winning games, something is missing. And, and so that that's the only way I could kind of describe. It's a basketball thing. Like, you just have to watch it to, to know what it is. But we'll see. You know, <clears throat> maybe maybe in the back of his mind a little bit, he might have thought that, you know, it's, they're, they're shorthanded. He doesn't want to overexert himself and stuff like that. Um, you know, and he, is, he is working through his foot. Uh, foot injury and stuff like that. Uh, was there anything you noticed from like the guard play? Um, you know, obviously with a shortened rotation, more let you know, yeah. more consistent roles and reps available. What, what, what did you think from from the guys that stood out today? So I remember last time we did one of these, honestly, but uh, <laughs> but I feel like the whole league changed three times since we've talked. But I think we like we were really on Lonnie Walker, and it was like clear to see his like you traded Beverly away. Um, obviously the short rotation and Lonnie Walker, just like he, his game opened up. I haven't seen this version of Lonnie in forever. Like it's been nice to see him attack in transition. You saw him get like, get loose off the off screens and pin downs. And we were kind of running actions for him. I thought he was really, really good in attacking the basket and using his like athleticism instead of just running baseline to baseline from corners. Like it's been so annoying for us to like throw Lonnie into that kind of Roll and him still being here after the deadline, I think, is a little surprising as well. I think most people thought he'd be kind of gone in package with our inability to kind of pay him, but it's been cool to see him. And Austin just uh, – I don't know if maybe, like, the Lakers not putting him in a deal or whatever. Like, his confidence just looks, like, sky high. He played six minutes in the game in OKC, which I think was just them taking it slow. But you could tell he's, like uh, – he's commanding. And you just – you talked about that running. Yeah, like, he commanded the floor. He was kind of telling and pointing AD where to go, and we got like two offensive fouls. I got like he got like two offensive fouls. I think AD did, but like you could see eight Austin like pointing and commanding and playing that backup point. So um, I'm hoping that kind of stays. We'll see where like D'Lo and Malik Beasley kind of fit into that. I know we'll get into that, but seeing Austin just take that step, uh, this team missed him badly. He had like step back threes. He had the he had like the break rhythm three to end the half, and uh, he had some nice passes to Wenyan. Him and Wenyan had a nice relationship um on the floor tonight uh those two in ball screen so i thought those two played well and then dennis put up 25 hitting his mid-range jumpers like we got really good guard play today like that's what's tough like we got really awesome guard play i thought the zone was working really well um but Giannis just went crazy and uh it wasn't enough to beat the bucks but we got a we got a good outing from the guys we had available at least so um i don't know i think like i'm satisfied satisfied with the game i just like the loss hurts because, like, I feel like we were in control for a lot of this game until that, obviously, the third quarter where the Bucks scored, like, 38. I think it was, like, 38 to 25 or something like that. Um, and that kind of tilted the game and then 80s foul trouble. But you got contributions from the guys that stayed over um, after the trade deadline, and that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I like I liked, – there was a little stretch where Austin maybe called his, number, his own number a little bit too much, um, and he just kind of mm-hmm. – what he probably should have kicked it out. But I think – you get more reps. Sorry, I'm, every time you see me mute, I'm just coughing, folks. So don't don't think that I cut out. Um, there, you know, he gets more reps. He'll he'll see the tape and he'll be like, okay, I, I probably instead of trying to shoot this or, I think there's a play where he just kind of lost the ball driving to the baseline, and he got like double teamed or something like that because he dribbled too far in, uh, and he turned it over. But like those kind of plays, he'll probably be like, nah, I can just kick this back out to Lonnie, um, and, and get an open shot for him or something like that. I, I like that. Um, yeah, it's 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 nice to see Lonnie Walker have to play, you know, be able to play shooting guard 
and not play power forward. It's amazing what happens. Exactly. Um, you know, he still got overwhelmed a little bit by like Chris Milton because Milton's bigger than him. Um, and he's sure. very crafty and stuff like that, and can finish. But like, yeah, man, like it's wow. We, like we play our guys in their appropriate positions, and Austin has point guard skills. He was a point guard in college. That's what his natural position is. He's literally said it out loud that he's a point guard, and for some reason we just choose not to play him like that. <laughs> but, you know, it was nice to see him get those on-ball reps and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm going to be really curious to see if Ham continues to start Dennis. I don't think he should start Dennis. I think he should bring him off the bench as, like, that sixth man um, and, and, you know, have him play that role that Russ was playing uh, next to Austin. Uh, so I'm going to be very curious to see if he starts – because D'Lo has to start. He makes too much money. He can't bring it. Oh, Dennis is absolutely starting. You think so? You think he's going to start Dennis <laughs> next to D'Lo? So, people, so I've, I've heard people have Dennis out of their rotation, and I think they're crazy. Like, I understand we're trading for a bunch of guards. Dennis Schroeder, Renee, has started every game he's been available, right, this year. He's also playing, like, 30-plus minutes in games that we need to win. I don't think you go from that to, like – out of the rotation. I don't even think you go from that to like come off the bench. I think it's going to be Dennis and D'Lo starting together. I would start my preferred would be like D'Lo and Austin. I think that that would be my preferred start. Sure. I don't know what you would I don't know what your um thoughts are there. Uh if you'd rather have Lonnie or something, I'm not sure and I think that's perfectly acceptable too, but I think Dennis is going to start at the one uh, with D'Lo, and I guess we can start there. Like, what do you do? You do you agree with that? Do you disagree? What do you? What do you I, I don't think Dennis should start. Hundred um, percent, don't think Dennis should start. I was against <laughs> Dennis starting. You know, um, three months. Yeah, ago. three months yeah. ago. I, was, I mean, I was against Pat starting three months ago. I, we don't have to get into the rust stuff anymore because he's gone now. And I think the Lakers front office has done a very sufficient job of uh, <laughs> sending out the goons uh, to, to write the story, whichever way they want to write um, when it comes to Russ. But uh, it's, it's nothing against Dennis. Um, I think he's just too small. Uh, and I think Dennis is I, – I, the way I like to describe Dennis is, you know, I, he, he did have like 12 assists today. But he's not – he doesn't make point guard reads. Uh, and – I think he's a small shooting guard is the way I kind of describe him. Similar in the sense like, you know, with Kyrie is basically a small shooting guard. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, when teams put size on him, like if he can't outspeed them, like outquick them to the rim, whoever's guarding him, it gets a little tough for him. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think what would be better for the Lakers starting unit is for them to start Beasley. If you wanted to make the argument that, Austin should start. Oh, you would you would start Beasley. Yeah, I I would put it. I would put two shot chuckers. I would put two guys who love to shoot the shit out of the ball next to LeBron. Absolutely. So you're putting you're putting Dennis. I'm sorry. You're putting D'Lo and Beasley then. Yeah. Start. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And Ooh, I, okay. I I would take I would take Rui out of the starting lineup. I would play Vando Ooh, okay. because, um, AD and LeBron for some reason decide to be very lazy when it comes to rebounding sometimes, and they just kind of watch other people grab rebounds. So play Vando, so you have somebody who actually clean up the glass. And I would just let D'Lo and, and Beasley just let them play off of LeBron. Um, but I, I wouldn't be against. I wouldn't be against if you said you want to play Reeves instead of Beasley. I don't. I'm not against that. Like Dennis and okay. Dennis and Beasley can work because it's an inside outside compliment. Reeves is right. a little bit more of a three level guy, but he can compliment Dennis. I think Lonnie may get cut out of the rotation. I don't think he's going to get the minutes Ooh, okay. that people – because I, I, I think Troy Brown's played too well. 
Like, I don't see them playing Lonnie over Troy Brown. Beasley makes too much money. Um, mm-hmm. D'Lo makes too much money. They're going to get 30 minutes a game. Vando is a wing, so we're going to play him. He's going to be our, probably our best defensive wing. So we're going to play him. Um, and he fits, like, with a lot of different lineups because he's so versatile defensively. Like, I don't know where Lonnie's minutes are coming from. I hope he <laughs> he doesn't get played at power forward again. But, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, where do you see him getting mitts? If we have what five guards, we have D'Lo, yeah. D'Lo Beasley, Dennis Reeves, Lonnie. Who's who's Lonnie playing over? You just said Dennis. Yeah, Dennis that's... plays thirty minutes a game. So, no, that that's a good point. It, that's where like it's so interesting. I try to figure out the rotation, and there's going to be like two guys who think who've been playing, and so. We're what? We have like 24, 25 games left or something like that, I think. We have to go like 19 and 6 to like um, to get to Dennis's uh, winning uh, record, which is like a 60-win pace, which we haven't won at a 500-win pace, but sure. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's interesting to kind of look at that. And I think just it's been too many games, Vinay, I don't think Dennis is getting kicked out of the rotation. And we'll see. I, I don't know who's getting kicked out, but I like I go the opposite and I don't want this to happen, but I feel like Malik Beasley is going to be the one that might, like, be the one that plays spot minutes. Let's see if he, you know, defends and is able to do that. But I think that's where it's going, at least to start. Um, I think Vando and D'Lo are getting automatic whatever rotation spot. Like, I think they're going to get an automatic entrance into the rotation. I think Beasley, it's going to be interesting. We have a bunch of guards that are already playing and in a sort of a rhythm with the team. I'm interested to see if, you know, Malik Beasley just comes and takes that. D'Lo's making $30 million already, or whatever. D'Lo's being traded as the third kind of starter, whatever. He's he's going to be put into the starting lineup. Vando, I think, is a forward kind of wing. And then we also have Mo Bamba, Vinay. Like, where's the like, – yeah. you know what I mean? So, like, you're right. one of these guards is going to be squeezed, and I don't think it's the guard that's been on the team, like, that's been playing, at least to start. We don't have a much – we don't have much of a rope, but, like, I think Lonnie's going to play in – I think Beasley's going to be the one that's kind of um, going to be squeezed, unless he's just hot and just starts raining threes, which I think he's a legit knockdown shooter. I hope he gets the rec- like the requisite amount of minutes to show that. But that's where I'm thinking. Where, what do you think about that? Because I think, like, again, the Dennis, it, it's the line of thinking with Dennis as well. It's where, like, Dennis is already, I think, going to be spotted his 20 to 25 minutes. Austin only played, like, 20-something. I think that's going to go up um, as his minutes restriction goes down. Uh, but like I think that's where the minutes kind of get squeezed, and Troy Brown as well, who's already been squeezed up in and out of the rotation, will be will be out again. Yeah. So, uh, um, so D'Lo and Beasley are what I called sociopath shooters. Like they they yes. kind of like the J.R. Smith, right? Like J.R. Smith's a sociopath. Like he doesn't care what the moment is, the sure. leverage of the moment, or anything. He just goes and shoots the ball. He'll look off stars. Um, again, I made a joke earlier where I said like. Laker fans don't – if you have not watched D'Angelo Russell, like, he will look off LeBron. And people are like, well, it's okay. He's a 40% shooter. I was like, no, no, no. You don't understand. Like, he will look off LeBron in a way that, you know, if you were irritated by Dennis missing LeBron on cuts, like, you know, you, you'll see. And, I mean, I'm not saying, like, it's as bad as, like, Russ or Dennis or whatever it is. But it's just it, – it'll be something that you'll see. It'll be very apparent. Um, but, for, obviously, for the most part, he's a better player, so it doesn't even matter. Um, but they're sociopath shooters, and those are the kinds sure. of shooters that I like on my team uh, because, like, you know, you play in L.A., I need you to not be afraid of anything and just, just let it fly. I, I don't need your three-point shooting percentage to go down by 10%. Um, 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just because you came to L.A. So, I think because of that, Beasley is going to get in. I think he's going to get reps. Uh, because one of the issues with, like, Pat was, like, Pat was very selective with what threes he would take. And sure. we would we would have entire offensive possessions at times. Like, people hated it when Rush shot the ball, right? Like, it, during the game. Like, we shot threes. But there were times where it was very clear, like, okay, this possession is over. Somebody has to shoot the ball. And it makes its way to Russ, like, for a corner three or something like that. And if he makes it, great. If he doesn't, you know, more mad uh, as it is. But, like, that's a basketball thing, right? Like, you want to finish the play um, mm-hmm. and, and not, not junk it up. Like, these kind, like Beasley and, and D'Lo are those kind of guys. Like, they'll finish that possession. Because of that, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Ham's going to play him because they're bigger. And I like the bar is kind of low. Like BZ doesn't have to play like amazing defense. He just got to play like league average defense. And sure. same same thing for Dilo. So it's like, I get what you're saying. Like, I I think it's a very valid argument that like these guys have been here. They they know the reps. They know the system. They've got the chemistry. But um, we also have a front office that sort of you know medals and these <laughs> these sort of things and offers oh, they advice. Push, they push their hand most definitely. <laughs> right. Uh, the, it's, the Thomas Bryant trade. Renee for Woj to say like it was for winning to get more minutes. Absurd. <laughs> winning collected three straight DMPs. He was in the Woj tweet of the Thomas Bryant trade. That's 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 insane. Um, uh, I, people keep resp- I'm telling you, dude. People keep responding to me. I tweeted twice today. I was like, the hit pieces are gonna be out, and people are <laughs> trying to like, why are you defending Russ so much? You love Russ. I was like, bro, you guys do not understand what they're gonna do. And then they posted the thing about Thomas Bryant. What did they say? They said. Thomas Bryant was unhappy that his minutes were going down because Anthony Davis was going back. So he requested a trade. And they traded him to the Denver, Denver Nuggets, who has an MVP caliber center who, you know, usually doesn't really <laughs> miss time ever. And I was just like, I, didn't even I don't think, think about that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Thomas like, <laughs> about I don't, to go start in Denver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I was just no, like no, that's that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, I you know, probably what happened is the Lakers, my guess, is the Lakers made a trade. They got Vanderbilt, who plays small ball center. Um, you know, to be fair, they recognize probably that Thomas is not a good defensive center. He's not mobile defensively and stuff like that the way that we need him to be. You know, Wenyon was pretty mobile defensively today. Um, yeah. He just you know, he can't he can't guard Giannis. He's going to get overwhelmed by him. But, you know, he, he had some help side blocks, rebounds, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas is more of a plotter, so – is what it is. So, you know, and, and they got a good deal. They got three seconds out of it, one of them, which they flipped to Mo, for Mo Bamba, who's probably going to play Thomas's role um, once he's on board with us off the bench. But it's just like, that is all basketball stuff. <clears throat> and that makes a ton of sense to me. 100%. Um, but why say that he was, like, unhappy with his minutes? Like, I, I th- does that sound like Thomas Bryant to you? Like, <laughs> not it. Not, not, not at all. It was very weird. And for a minimum, you know, a player being mad at his minutes, who when he just started a bunch of games because AD was out and he got like 30 minutes a game and had winning Gabriel's minutes, which is very weird. Um, but really quickly, just I want to touch on that uh, that point you made about D'Lo and, and Beasley. That So I had my own notes here I wanted to talk about. That fundamentally changes, like, our team, right? So at halftime today, Vinay, we took nine threes, attempted we attempted nine threes. Beasley and D'Lo averaged uh, 14 attempts, uh, uh, 13 attempts from three a game by themselves. Those two, like those two, like you said, are psychotic shooters. 
um, that fundamentally changes how you play. Like in a, I'm wondering like if that'll be if that's an accepted thing. If that's something that like, that's why I'm not sure that they'll start at least right away. And that's why I think Dennis is still going to start. Um, what do you think about that? Like changing like fundamentally, just how our team plays offense in a sense. Those guys are pull up three chuckers. They are you know they're they have no conscience and they take threes in a way that our team just doesn't play that way. I think it's an interesting kind of mix. Um, the way like Beverly and Schroeder have to be open and take like 10 seconds to wind up. Those dudes just fire away. I think it like fundamentally changes your team. And I think in a good way, like I think if it, if it was my choice, I think I would like us to kind of switch more to that. But I think it's interesting. Like we played this way for like 55 or 56 games. And now to switch to that, I think it is interesting. And you're, you're, promoting that like both of them start and I just don't see it I think Dennis is going to continue to start but we think about that that change like we took nine threes at the half those two like we'll have nine threes by the first quarter you know what I mean no you're you're right um there is a fundamental change of how it goes but we also I think I think that will be a little bit more drastic yeah um, of a change I think I think Ham is going to have to really figure out how to balance some of that stuff out. But, I, I, you know, look, there was a point where Laker fans are saying, you know, we can't trade Patrick Beverly because he's shooting, like, 43% from three over his, like, last 25 games. I said, Pat, Patrick Beverly attempts four threes or something like that, like a game. Like, that doesn't mean anything. 40% from three when you attempt four a game doesn't mean anything. And they're if you're wide, attempting... wide, wide open. Like, they right. are five people, like, yeah. Yeah, and so if you're attempting them at, like, a volume of, like, eight or nine a game, then that's a very valuable number because that means that you're, like, really, really going after it and trying to hit them, and you're hitting them at a high clip. So, like, getting guys like that I think is going to be good because, like you said, they can do it off a pull-up. They do it in transition. Like, I've seen Beasley, like, (laughs) pass up layups and just go and take a three instead before. So, uh, you know, that's kind of how they play. But the other thing is also this, like, LeBron is not shooting very well from three. Like, he has some games where he's shooting. He's shot a little bit better. But, like, he's been shooting, like, seven, eight threes a game. Like, we need to mm. get him to cut down on that number a little bit because, um, you know, obviously he's doing that because Russ was on the team and, and he's spacing the, the floor for Russ. Um, and because, you know, he doesn't get calls. And there's there's a whole bunch of stuff as to why he does that. But, like, we probably want those threes going to guys that are, you know, in the – 40s for the high 30s instead of going to LeBron um you know outside of like end game situations or when LeBron's having a hot streak so it's like um if you're going I I think the biggest issue for the Lakers has been sometimes that like they'll start off games with really junky offense at times Mm -hmm. and the other thing I would say is this um I don't know if Anthony Davis's jumper is all the way back and I think you have to put real shooters on the floor to protect him from having to be a guy who has to make jump shots um, and, and space the floor for him a little bit more too as well. So, um, like I said, if if Dennis is going to start, then, yeah, you're probably going to have a Dennis D'Lo backcourt. Um, and you know, D'Lo shoots with enough volume, and he, sure. he's not, you know, he's not really a uh, – like D'Lo doesn't go to the rim the same way like Russ did. Like, we, you know, we watch Russ go to the rim and miss layups or make layups, whatever it was. Um, and I think Laker fans don't know yet, but they're going to find out that D'Lo is actually allergic to going to the rim. Like, he has a floater and stuff like that, but he doesn't like going to the rim. Uh, he, he likes to use the mid-range and stuff like that. Um, but that, that complements AD a little bit more because AD was seeing too many bodies 
in the paint. Yeah. So, you know, it, it might work out. The, the floor balance should be a little bit better. But, like, if those guys are going to be psychotic and they're just going to keep shooting threes every time LeBron gets them wide open, like, you know what? I'm okay with that. Like, I know it's going to look different. Uh, it's probably going to feel different. But we, we really need it. Like, we, we haven't had – have we had a point in this season, a game this season, where we've had one guy just go ballistic from three and, like, just win us the game off the strength of just, like, just, you know, making, like, six threes in a row or seven threes? Like, we haven't had that. So, you know, like, I, I think that's something that could work in our favor. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've said we've needed, like, low usage, high volume shooters. And I think that's kind of where Malik Beasley fits in. Um, and D'Lo's kind of a little bit more usage. But I'm interested to see how it kind of fits around. And you said D'Lo doesn't go to the rim. That's correct. I think we needed, like, a pull-up jump shooter, though, like that he can do, give AD finally someone who can shoot. And I think we need to go in these games, Mane, just – accepting that 80s jumper is just never going to be at a consistent rate. And I still think he can be a dominant player without having the jump shot. I think he can still impact the games in different ways, offensive rebounding, finishing at the rim, uh, just an aggression. I think that wasn't there, but I think the jump shooting's key. I'm just like, I just don't see them too. Um, I just don't see D'Lo and Malik Beasley as like the starting backcourt to start. I think Cam is going to want some defensive ball pressure there. I mean, we started Beverly and Dennis the whole season. Uh, so like, I just don't see, he still has one of the two here. I think that guy's going to start, but I want to ask you, who was your, like, when you saw that, you know, all the people that we've gotten, who was like your most, ex- who are you looking forward, I guess, to seeing the most, like what, what addition um, to you, are you most excited for when you saw the trade, like come for, was it Beasley? Was it Vanderbilt? Like who's, was it D'Lo? Like who's the guy you're like most excited, Mo Bama maybe like that you're most like intrigued and like looking forward to kind of seeing how they, how they fit with the team. Yeah, so for sure, for me, it's it, it's Jared Vanderbilt. Like uh, okay. back back when the Gobert trade happened, and there was word yeah. that like Utah was going to move some guys around. They weren't going to keep all the guys that they got from Minnesota. I was like, the Lakers should really, really try to get this guy because every time I've watched and I and I watch, you know, like the Minnesota series against um, the Minnesota series against uh, who am I thinking of the Grizzlies and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like he's. Vanderbilt's this guy he could defend like one he's he's the size of a four right so he's like t- as tall as a four um he's built like a more uh, a, a more sturdy Wenyan Gabriel like okay he's probably not a Wenyan Gabriel's probably a little bit taller but he's like he's got long wingspan uh he's a little like he looks wiry but he's very very tough like uh you ever seen um who's that kid over in um New Orleans Herb Jones you seen yeah. Herb Jones? Like Herb Jones doesn't look like he's like this physically dominating guy, but he's incredibly sturdy uh, and very stout as a defender. Like he he can absorb um, you know, like the body collisions and yeah. all that sort of stuff without losing ground. Still can keep his balance, keeps his hands up and can challenge. He has a monster rebounding motor, which I'm always a big fan of. Growing up, I've always thought like. When you can't do anything, if you can rebound the ball at a very, very high rate, like you can help your team. And he's been like he's really good in that regards. And so I'm very excited for him because I've seen Minnesota put him on Steph Curry before and press Steph Curry like full court. And he's not stopping Steph, but like he can do that. You know what I mean? So if we're if we're looking at him as like like Patrick Beverly's not a three and D player. He's a defensive specialist that can occasionally hit a three. If you think about Jared Vanderbilt as a defensive specialist, except he's really good, like way better than Pat, and you put him in the starting lineup, 
mm-hmm. then I could. That's why I keep making the suggestion that like I could see um, a a, a D-low Beasley backcourt because Vanderbilt's that good of a defender. Like, and and he, I, I think he's going to help the team out a lot. Um, uh, today, you know, like how Chris Middleton was kind of overwhelming all our guys. Yeah. Uh, so we had trouble, and like we had Rui on. Like we couldn't really put Rui on him because Rui's feet defensively aren't that good. Rui's maybe a little bit more equipped to defend a guy like Giannis because Giannis tries to overpower you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, Rui's pretty strong. Like you could put Vanderbilt on a guy like uh, Chris Middleton, and you know, like he can hold his ground and he can navigate screens and he can do all that stuff too. Um, and I think he's going to be an excellent complement, like an excellent defensive addition. So I'm very, very excited to see what he can do for us um, on, on that front. Yeah, so, you know, you said you would start Vanderbilt, and I think that's interesting. I, I think Rui and Vanderbilt are kind of competing for the same minutes, right? Like, I think Rui's probably more of a four than a three, and I thought he did a nice job, actually, on Giannis. But Vanderbilt, 6'8", I think he's a better passer than people. He has, like, a lot of behind-the-back, like, passes and stuff. If you watch him play, I remember I went to, like, um, Wolves-Lakers last year. Uh, LeBron didn't play, but AD played, um, and Vanderbilt just kicked our ass the whole game. Um Cat, I think, went crazy, too. But Vanderbilt was just dominating us on the boards. And he can have that type of game. Like, he's relentless. You talk about the high-motor stuff. And I think that's super interesting, putting, like, a high-motor guy in the starting lineup uh, next to Bron and AD. I just worry about, like, having enough shooting. And then I guess that's why you would start Beasley and Russell. Um, but, yeah, I think if you have, like, Dennis, Vanderbilt, Bron, and AD, that's probably not enough shooting, uh, even with D'Lo out there. Um, so I think, like, Rui and Vanderbilt are kind of going to go back and forth. I'm interested – if they can play together, I'm not really sure if you can play Rui, Vanderbilt, Braun, and AD. Just being huge, that's probably maybe too slow. But I'm excited to see him too, man, getting a wing. Dude, we were putting Patrick Beverly on and Dennis Schroeder on Brandon Ingram, on Shea Gilgis-Alexander, on Jason Tatum, on like all NBA wings. So it'd be, it'd be nice to put an actual wing on another wing. Uh, we were doing that shit on purpose. I mean, we were putting six one dudes. All, all NBA players, just so strange. But and, and then it looked so bad that we had to put Russ on him. And then, yeah. like you know, Russ is at least in isolation defense. He can he can if it's not like a crafty guy like Shaquille just Alexander, like he can hold his ground. You know, he he did against Randall, he did against Zion, he did against Tatum, um, at least for s- some stretches. But like that should give you an idea. Like we took Russ, we sent him to the bench, and we said, all right, we got this de- these two defensive ball pressure guys. And then they just started getting torched by everybody. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, no, wait, Russ, go help us out over here. So it's like I, the fact that two of them are gone, the fact that Russ and, and, and um, Pat are gone and they're going to be replaced by bigger players yeah. just in general is going to make a world of a difference. The Bucks missed a bunch of threes today, mm-hmm. um, but they also were kind of forced into taking a lot of threes because yeah. the Lakers had to play bigger. They shrunk the floor. And we played Wenyan and AD together. And that's a lot of length on the floor. So, like, that kind of stuff matters. That kind of stuff helps um, when, it, when it comes to it. So, like, I'm looking forward to us having much more size when it comes to it. Yeah, you talked about I, I don't remember the last time we saw Wenyan. Well, Wenyan's been collecting DMPs anyway. But I just don't remember the last time we saw AD and Wenyan play together. Um, I think when AD came back, Wenyan was kind of taken out of the rotation, uh, which I thought was a mistake. But... Um, I guess moving on, like, to my next point, like, does Wenyan play? Like, is Mo Bamba coming in with a rotation spot? Or, like, where do, where do these minutes, I guess, come from? Obviously, we lost Thomas Bryant, but we didn't, like, fix the center, you know, rotation problem because Thomas Bryant went out and we brought in Mo Bamba. 
So you have another center coming in anyway, and then you have this guard glut that you have to figure out. Benet's Mo Bamba coming in with a spot. He's kind of, you know, you look at Orlando, he lost his spot kind of to Bull Bull. He's a 40% three-point shooter. It's not crazy volume, but I think he is like a floor spacer in that way. He's a little slow. I think he's, I mean, he's better than Damian Jones. It's not a bar to like be super high above, but um, do you see Mo Bamba coming in and just taking the backup center? Do him and AD play together? Where do you kind of see those two? Uh, I'm fascinated by that. I, I think he's going to get Thomas's role. I, th- I think okay. he's going to get Thomas's minutes. He's going to get Thomas's role. I don't know. Like, Loinian should be probably playing the four for us um, more than he than, than maybe the five that we're trying to play him at. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, look, I don't, I don't know what Ham's going to do. Um, I, I will say this, though. Like, Bamba isn't a um, – he's not a pick-and-roll big the way he, – he doesn't roll the way mm-hmm. that Thomas Bryant does. So if you're going to have Dennis, this is why I think Dennis may come off the bench. If you're going to have a rim attacking guard like Dennis, you probably want to have Mobamba screening for him um, because then Dennis can get downhill. And then if he doesn't get downhill, then, you know, Bamba will be available to take, take the three and stuff like that. Or take the, I, th- I think he has a decent free, uh, like regular jumper. I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to double check, but like, I think he's just going to get those minutes. And I think, Probably what the Lakers did is they were like, "Look, we need defense out of the backup center position more than we need the scoring." Yeah, and that's why they went and got him. Um, but I don't know what his feet are like. I, if I remember, like his feet aren't that great. But I mean, he, he's got really good anticipation. You know, what I mean, like he won't get the stupid fouls that Thomas would get, and obviously his length will affect them. But um, they should not. They should not just go back to running an excess amount of guards. And just cut one unit out of the rotation. Like, they definitely should not do that. I will be very sad if they do that, especially after they told us that they traded Thomas Bryant to give one more minutes. Like, that would be a travesty. But yeah, that felt like that felt like a, uh, an order from the top, you know, like, let's get, let's get Wenyan into the game. Uh, no, I agree. I just, like, with Bamba coming in, like, I don't see Wenyan. Bamba minutes, I guess. Like, I think, well, we saw Wenyan in AD, so maybe they see him as a four and kind of can play this together. And Bamba is a more of a floor spacer, so you can have Wenyan kind of assume the center, quote unquote, position on offense. And on defense, those two can kind of roam. But again, like, we just went through the rotation. You're already cutting a guard out, Lonnie. You're cutting Lonnie out, or whoever you're going to cut out from the guard position, Troy Brown. Um, and you look at the, you know, or Malik Beasley, whoever it is. Um, if you're putting two bigs out there, it takes another spot away. I'm just interested how they go about it. We have like 12 dudes who think they should play. It doesn't even count Max Christie, who I think is actually a good, who's going to be cut out the rotation entirely for sure. I just like, I'm interested to see where they go with that. Um, and they have like 20 games to figure it out. There's no time to like, oh, this doesn't work. All right, let's experiment with that. Like, you know, there's no time anymore. Like you need to go, uh, 19 and six now is like what they're you know hoping for. Um, to kind of get out of the play-in, I guess, and that's still not guaranteed. I'm just sure where they go with that. Mo Bamba, I think, is a slow – like, he's a seven-footer. Like, he's like he's a slow-footed big, most likely. Um, you can probably play the same kind of defensive, you know, principles there that, that Ham likes to play. But um, you're having, like, five dudes enter the rotation. And to me, this is a brand-new team. Like, this is just a new team. Like, you have a few, you have a few players that are sticking, on, sticking around, but Ham has, like, a whole new book to kind of set out. Do you think he can? Do you think he has enough time? I guess to turn this into a 
60 win pace that they need to win at to get, you know, at least out of the playing spot? Like, do you think there's enough time for that? I think that's what, that's my biggest concern here is that we have zero time to experiment with lineups. Like it needs, like he needs to pick his lineups and they have to be correct. They have to be right. Like from the jump. And I think that that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy who's obviously been, um, had a tough time tinkering with stuff. Yeah, I, I think he's going to get uh, advice from our front office as to who <laughs> needs to be in the rotation. I'm, I'm not even I, – like, I, I'm laughing too. You're laughing, but I'm, I'm laughing too. I, I genuinely think these trades were made um, – We sent Patrick instru- Beverly to Orlando like that. With an instruction. I'm so – Raj, I'm so happy he got traded. I, like, but I did not see us like exiling Patrick Beverly from winning basketball. You know what I mean? Like I, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming. Like I did not think I we did, were doing look, I didn't want him to go to Orlando. I wanted him to go to outer space. Like I needed him away as far as possible. I was like, bro, the, the theatrics that he does on the floor. Oh man! And he does this thing where, like, like he starts swiping. Like he'll keep swiping at the ball. Like when he knows it's, he's not gonna get it, right? But he like swipe. It's like I'm trying to, I'm trying to explain what. Like you know when you have like a, oh, you don't, you don't have kids, but like I, I have a young daughter, or I have, I have a six year old, and I have like an eighteen month old. Like, my, my youngest one, she does this thing where, like, when she's trying to mimic what the older one is doing, like, she'll just kind of mimic it, right? Like, just in space. So if, like, my daughter is, my older one is playing on the piano. Like, she'll, my, my younger one will pretend like she's playing on the piano. She'll, she'll stand there and just do it. Like, that's what Patrick Beverly does on defense sometimes. Like, he, he like, swipes at something, but he knows he's not going to do anything. But it's almost as if he's doing it because he knows the cameras are watching him. And he's like, I got to look like I'm working hard. Like, I, I got to look like I'm doing something here. And it doesn't amount to anything. Um, he needed to be gone, like for real, because I don't know what hold he had over Darvin Ham. That you know, I, I get the Dennis thing because Ham knew him, you know, from his Atlanta days. So yeah. I understand where that came from, and I understand you know his politics. You you have to play Russ. Russ came off the bench, and that was like a pet project or whatever for Ham. Um, but like, there was no reason for for Pat to be on our team, uh, and obviously he's not a wing defender, um, and we got smoked. In every match with him. I think that was the issue. Like, I think if Patrick Beverly is your one, right? Like, if he's your mm-hmm. one and, like, your worst shooter, right? So, like, on the Clippers, like, he's, like, your one. And then you get all that all that scrappy stuff at least, at least leads to a little bit more of a net, right? But when you put him into the wing defender role, he's 6-1. Like, I don't care how hard he, he yells or, you know, or, 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 or as much heart as you have. You're putting him on, like, all NBA. Like, there's just nothing. Like, you put him on Tatum or Jalen Brown or Brandon Ingram or Shea Gilch Alexander or even Tyrese Halliburton, who's, like, a tall guard. Like, he just gets cooked. And I don't know how much I can blame him, if I can blame Darvin Ham for playing him. But I did not see us um, vanishing him to Orlando. I, I just I, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, you know, I, I don't feel bad where he got sent. I, it sounds terrible, and I'm a big advocate of, you know, you can't. He's getting bought out, I'm sure. Yeah, so. he's, yeah, he's he's gonna go to Minnesota or whatever it is. I, I'll I'll, give, I'll tell you why this is so funny. Uh, did you watch the game on Spectrum today, or did you watch it on TNT? No, I watched it on TNT. Okay, did you did you did you get the portion like the audio assist and stuff like that? Like, were uh, you able to see those segments? Yeah, yeah, like, where some, he's... some of it. Uh-huh. Okay, so there's this audio segment, right? Uh, I think it was in the third quarter, where like um, it's Ham and he's talking to Max Christie. Oh yes. and Max Christie's okay. coming off the floor, and Ham it. tells him. Ham tells him, Max. He goes, Max. When the guy's closing out, his hands are down. And he's, and he's way too low. 
Yeah. Just let it fly. Just let it shoot. I was like, bro, teams have been fucking doing that to us all fucking season because you keep playing Patrick Beverly on the floor with Dennis Schroeder, and they've been shooting the fuck out of the ball over us. How the fuck did you recognize that when teams are doing it to Max Christie, but you couldn't recognize it when we were doing Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was in shock. I was just like, so he knows that he's playing these guys in in a situation where, like, even a closeout is like a fake closeout. Like a 6'8 oh, guy is looking 100%. at Pat closing guys. It's like, okay, uh, I don't know what you're thinking about doing. I'm just going to shoot this anyways. I was just like, he's, so he sees it. And, and that's why, you know, like, I've always told you, like, there's obviously roster politics and stuff like that that's going on with this team. So um, I'm hoping that roster politics continue. And I hope, <laughs> I hope Ham gets some post-it notes and instruction manual. It gets told that um, he's got to play Beasley. He's got to play the bigger guards. Um, you know, Lonnie is probably a little bit more of a long-term project uh, for the Lakers. Um, uh, Troy could probably carve out some minutes with the bench, uh, but but like play bigger. So you I got think, enough shoot. You got enough shooting now. So just play bigger. So I think this is the fun part where we can kind of back and forth on this because I think you know you said you hope roster politics continue. If you have roster politics and you're 13th out of a 15th conference, you know what I mean? Like that, like. Like that would make me feel worse that there's roster politics going on and you're six games under 500. You're in 13th place. I don't care how bunched up it is. You're in 13th place. The only teams under you are two teams actively losing on purpose. Those are the only teams under us, Renee. We're in 13th place still. After this loss, we're still going to be in 13th. We're five, six games. I feel worse. I like, I'm hoping Darwin Ham is making the decision out of his own accord. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'd rather believe that. I'd rather believe that he believes two small guards really does help with point of attack defense and, you know, the um, the ability to pick up full court and the ability for everyone to push the ball. That's another, you know, reason that he's given of why he plays so small. I'd rather believe that, wouldn't you? Like, you would, like I would rather believe that than um, he has to – well, I, I get Ross politics is part of every locker room, but I think at a certain point, once you're bad enough – like, I always give this kind of example with the Dallas Mavericks. They signed JaVale McGee this la- this summer. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they signed JaVale McGee to a three-year deal this summer. And I remember when he was signed, he was promised a starting spot. Five or six games went by, and it was pretty clear JaVale McGee is not an NBA player. Like it's <laughs> Especially not next to Luka Doncic. He just can't roll. He doesn't protect the rim anymore. He's two seconds late on every you know coverage. Um, he just, his defensive instincts are gone. He's not playing next to another world-class defender in Anthony Davis. So his flaws are more, uh, his flaws come to light a little bit more. And it was very clear. And he was sent to the bench. He's gets DMPs unless it's, um, unless it's, uh, you know, a breaking glass situation where they, where they have players out and that politics ended right there. I'm hoping like that's where this is. Or do you think like, that's just not something that, that happened this year? Cause I, I'd rather like, maybe I'm just, you know, still a, optimistic at heart like i'd rather ham think these small guards work than like being playing into politics while we're the 13th seed having to win at a 60 win pace to get to the playoffs while ham still is believing that patrick Bradley and dennis Schroeder need to play because of political reasons you know you know, you know so, what i'm saying there yeah yeah no that that that's fair um i would say roster politics had a lot to do with who was starting and who was not starting for this team i think that's the extent of what it went to um but the in-game adjustments and who closes the game at times, I think that was on him. You know, like when he calls his timeouts and all that sort of stuff, that's all, that's all him. Um, I think he had full reign to decide 
um, who closes games and that sort of stuff. I think starting games, mm-hmm. which was a big thing, um, I think that was decided by uh, – n- the ham was probably part of it, but I think that was also decided by more than just ham. Uh, and I think that was the extent of roster politics. Okay. Uh, I don't know if prioritizing – like I don't know if Thomas getting minutes over Wenyon and Wenyon being cut out of the rotation when a fourth guard came back. You know what I mean? Like when Lonnie yeah. came back. I don't know if that's roster politics or if that's ham, but that feels like roster politics to me because it doesn't make sense <laughs> that we would play a 6'5 guy because that, that worries me, right? Because then like even if we got Bamba – you're gonna. You're telling me that like there's a chance that Lonnie Walker may play power forward, you know, like <laughs> even when Mo Bamba's on the floor, and that worries me because it's like we shouldn't do that. We should play Wenyon and were Lonnie should. Were you play. a little worried when Rui played center tonight? It was for 40 seconds, but did that? Did that? Yeah. Did that drop you a little bit? But, um, no. no, I mean a little bit, but it was you know it's also because it was like yeah, Giannis sure. and like Rui was doing okay on Giannis sure. and, and you know, they were trying to speed up the game, so it was okay. So like, I like I get it. Uh, I, I get the I, and I get what you're saying too. Like you would rather him be believe that he plays this way and then all we do is just swap out those players on the roster itself so that he keeps doing it that way and then you know i mean like that but they're bigger and better so like they won't have the issues you continue his philosophy um but i don't know if roster politics will continue influencing what it is but um i think we're going to find out because in my opinion dennis shouldn't be starting anymore i think you have enough guard play even even with Russ and Pat gone, like I think you have between Beasley, um, D'Lo, Austin, and Lonnie, I think you have more than enough guard play where Dennis doesn't need to be a starter, um, and and enough shooting. But we'll we'll see, you know, what happens and stuff like that. And um, I think the way that Ham decides who closes games, which is still going to be a thing because we got a whole bunch of new guys, is based on whoever's playing the best defense throughout the game. Sure. And he just kind of a la carte picks guys. That's why sometimes, like, he finished the game in New York and Indiana with Russ. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he didn't finish. What was that? What were the two games right after that? It was um, the Pelicans game. Mm-hmm. He didn't finish that game with Russ. I don't think Russ played the fourth quarter at all. They lost that game. Um, and then the game after that was the, the OKC game. Right. Like, Russ came in, like, very late and stuff like that, I think, for that game. Um, he sat for a good stretch of it, uh, and then obviously they lost. That, that's not the reason why they lost. That Russ didn't play the fourth, but like I'm going to be very curious to see how how this stuff goes um, because that, that stuff is going to. Raj, we have the worst. <clears throat> sorry, not the worst. The Lakers prior to the Russ trade had the 24th ranked scoring offense in the NBA. The starting group was the 24th ranked starting group of scoring. Like, and you're talking about a starting group that has LeBron and Anthony Davis. That should never happen. Mm-hmm. Never. And we were terrible on offense. And our bench with Russ was like the like a top eight bench scoring-wise. So it's like uh, Russ is gone, Pat's gone, so it'll be a little bit more balanced out. But like that tells me that there's something wrong. If your offense is that bad with LeBron and AD, then something has to get fixed. Um, there and and that's why I'm an advocate for just putting more shooting, swap Vando for Rui because you don't need Rui's offense, and now you have you know very specific roles and and much more floor violence. Yeah, and see that's where like it's interesting. Like I think uh, you talked about. I think those are all 
fair and you you know you could be right about the starting lineup it's just like again I see Max Chrissy into the rotation like I think that's Darvin Ham figuring out like hey I have a 3 and D wing he's 19 but like he's our best 3 and D wing you know like I have to play him um even when we were healthy at times like Max Christie was getting legit minutes and being good like he was playing well um so that's why I like I'm really interested, interested to see when like the teams comes back I just like I've seen for a full season we've lost enough to where to me like the best players should play and that's why I think you you know, you talked about Russ closing and not closing some games and all that. I think those were, you know, hopefully I'm believing those are Ham's kind of decisions there. In those fourth quarters, we'd won a game in Indiana. I don't remember if Russ played or not in that one, but then I think he played in the in the New York game, um, then didn't play the, the next two. Um, but, yeah, I'm interested to see. Uh, yeah, that, you know, LeBron, AD, Beverly, Schroeder, they're like a net neutral, which, like, again, like you talked about, if you're playing LeBron and AD together, can't be net neutral like that. That needs to be at least something up in the most like star duos. You look around the league, even Kawhi Paul George, all those guys are like up in the plus eight or something like that. I believe like it's kind of where you want your duo. And those are two guys who are tied together at the hip and tied with your starters. I just like I I believe that's Ham's belief that those two at least work in in some capacity. So I'm interested to see who starts. I think that tell that'll tell us a lot on Saturday, like what what guards he starts with. Um, but I'm like pretty confident Dennis will be in that group, uh, whoever is, and D'Lo too. I think D'Lo is a, is pretty straightforward that he will start, and I think Dennis will be next to him uh, with Rui, Braun, and AD. But I think, like, the minutes rotation and all that, who gets cut out, it's interesting to see. We'll, we'll have a lot of answers on Saturday. But, yeah, it's just, like, I, I can't think that these weren't coaching decisions when we're so far behind so many teams. We've lost so many close games, number one. We've you know, we've been behind. AD has missed a ton of games up to this point. So he's had to kind of experiment and stuff. So I'm hoping these are like his decisions. And, you know, hopefully the front office kind of is nudging him in this way. But I am I need him to be able to make mistakes too. Like you can't have a coach being puppeted by a front office either, right? That, there's no relationship where that works good either. A coach has to have free reign to kind of make his own mistakes and hopefully learn from those mistakes. And if you have a coach that can't do those things, then you're already in bigger trouble than any trade or signing could can kind of help you with. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, I I think we'll eventually get to a lineup. Yeah. Probably not initially, but I think we'll eventually get to a lineup that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Um. I you know. I want I want to say that he has free reign over everything <laughs> that goes on. I really do. He's on a four year deal. Just... Like if if a four year coach <laughs> can't have you know, some sense of, like, I have rain, then who does is my, like, question, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just uh, I, I, I don't think maybe it's, like, as influential. But sure. you have to remember, right, like, he's he's a rookie head coach. For sure. So he's he's always going to be, like, and, and Ham strikes me as, like, like, he's said it very many, many times. He's, like, he's a collaborative guy, so sure. he takes a lot of input. So I don't think he's doing, like, the post-game go sit down with Kurt Rambis after every game thing anymore. Hope not. But I think he gets notes. I I, I think he gets notes from okay from Rambis. I because I mean the, what what's Rambis there for? Like he's not really there for anything at all. So like I'm, I'm sure he's doing something <laughs> when it comes to it. What what do you? I, I forgot to ask. What do you what do you think about like? Do you think that this trade deadline? I've seen so many people say like, um, <clears throat> I've seen them say like, I we need to send our apology letter to Rob Polinka. I've heard like, this too. He's a he's. he's He's absolved of everything. I was like, dude, what the fuck are you people talking about? Like, it took us 18 months to get this done. 
Like we should have, it should have taken us this long to do this. You know, obviously you have to wait for deals to materialize, but like, what are we talking about here? Like, what do, what do you think about it? Do you think Rob is like absolved of like everything that's gone on so far? Like with, with all the decision making and stuff like that? So I think there's like two lines of thinking right here. And look, I, obviously waiting this long probably saved you a first round pick, right? Like just like, like this Utah deal isn't getting done um, in the summer without two firsts. So you saved a first, but the opportunity cost has to be talked about. Like you're 25 and 31. There's 25 games left in the season. Like, I think this is the this was the right path. I do think it took a little bit longer than it, like, should have. Like, I think the right move was doing this in the summer, finding the correct deal. Like, you you had one job this summer, Renee. Like, you had to um, move the roster around to build a team that made sense. You could not come in this season. And I think we talked about this endlessly with Russ and, like, eight minimum contract dudes. Like, it's just not sustainable. I I love the path that we went, that we, like, um, we spoke about this a lot of time as well, like not going the free agency route, like getting in mid-tier salary players. Still think it took a, a long time, and we won't know until we see, like, the team and if they can win at a pace um, that makes sense. Uh, but if you just, like, I, I love the moves. I think you you like the moves as well. It's just, like, you can't just flame out of the season, though, right? Like, you can't get just, like, you can't finish – well, the plane's up to 10. So you can't finish like 11th and be like, oh, well, we made a good, <laughs> we had a good deadline. You know what I mean? Like that, like that, that also can't happen. So there's like two skills of balance. Like I think it's still, I think it's still a mistake not to have the team done in the summer. Like you had to, you had to make a direction there. And I think we're paying the cost of that now by the record we have, by the uphill battle that we have. Um, so I'm in both ways there. Like I, what do you what do you think about that though? Because I think the opportunity cost is not being, it, it's kind of quietly said, but it's not said. Like people are like, oh, do we have enough time? Yeah, that's like that should be the loud part. Like, do you have enough time? There's 25 yeah. games left. You have to win at like a 60 win pace. We haven't won at a 500 win pace in forever. Like, like. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. Like, uh, sorry, I no, 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 go ahead. Yeah, like I, I absolutely agree. Like we don't have the luxury to even think about losing games. Like we have to win every game, like by any means necessary. Whether it's an ugly win or it's a blowout, you know, we get some favorable calls from the refs, which we really don't get nowadays. Apparently, um, like we we need stuff to go in our direction in order for us to have, like, to at least like just get into the playing. Like I'll, I'll take my chances in sudden death matchups. You know what I mean? Like get to the what is it the seventh or eighth spot where you just got to win one game and you're in the playoffs. Like just, just get to that, get to the seventh or eighth spot. So we could just win a one game playoff um, and, and, and get into the, like I'll take my chances with, uh, you know, assuming that Braun and are healthy. Like I, I, I'm not worried about not worried, but like, I feel like we could make a series against Denver or we can make a series against whoever the two seed is, that is Memphis or Sacramento, whoever ends up being, you know what I mean? Um, like I've, I feel like we have a good chance because we have a lot of playoff experience and stuff like that. But like, we have to get there first. And <clears throat> I'm not the type of guy to be like, like I told you this. I think uh, at some point uh, when we did when we did the uh, Knicks Pacers, it was Knicks Pacers Pelicans, um, OKC Bucks. I said like I think I messaged you. I was like, we need to go four and one during this stretch. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason that we can't go four and one before the trade deadline, and then I I said that the Bucks game would be a loss because we probably trade a couple guys, uh, and then we went two and three. 
Like that's you can't do that. It's it's not acceptable. And um, I think <clears throat> the other thing I also say is this. I think there is, and this is just me speculating out loud. This is not sourced. This is not. This is just me. I have a hunch, and I've shared this with you privately. And so I, there's only like a hundred people here, so I doubt anybody's gonna like remember this. Anyways. Yeah, no, there's, I'm not. I'm not popular enough to aggregate, even though I help help the guys who write the stories that aggregate the stories that Lakers Twitter then uses for slander. Um, but I have a hunch that these remaining 26 games are going to decide what the Lakers want to do with Anthony Davis in the off season. Oh man, because there is nothing else to complain about, and I know he's hurt. I know he's injured. So. I think he gets sort of a mulligan on like, like, I think that's an accepted truth. But this will be season three of the Lakers having to navigate Anthony Davis's health. And I saw a crazy stat today when I was reading the hit piece on Russ from The Athletic. Um, do you know that in the two, one and a half seasons, <laughs> this is not to make Russell good. This is just, I was shocked by it. The, 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 all of the games that they've played so far, since Russ has been here for one and a half seasons, they've only played 44 games together where all three players have been healthy. And the Lakers were 22 and 22. Forget the games played together. I was shocked we were 500. <laughs> I was like, bro, I thought we would be like 10 and 30 or you know, like something terrible. I was like, how are we still 500 and 500? You know, like, how are we 500 basketball? But like, I think, I think the front office is looking at it and they're saying, look, we took a swing for the fences. That was a bad move. It didn't work out. But what complicated the move is our guys getting hurt. And the other part of it is this. Every time Anthony Davis gets hurt, you know, everybody would say he needs to take the reins. He needs to take the keys. He needs to take it from LeBron, and he needs to be the leader on the team. LeBron's come out and said, <coughs> he's come out and said, you know, the offense needs to run through Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis can't stay healthy, there's no offense to run through him. And even when he's playing, if he can't stay healthy, like, you know, like we just talked about him kind of floating through games, if that's how he's going to play. That's not really a guy who's taking the rein from LeBron. And I think the Lakers are going to really take a look at what he looks like for these remaining 25 games to think about what, what they need to do with Anthony Davis because we're on LeBron's timeline. This is LeBron James's team. Uh, did you did you see the ceremony at at the beginning of the game? I I was on the TNT feed. I was streaming for um, playback, so they had the TNT stream. I wasn't able to catch the full thing. No. Yeah. So 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 LeBron LeBron finishes like his like monologue and stuff. I like got thanking everybody. He turns around and says, you know, like for these past five years, and these are just words, but I, like I you know I, I don't think he says stuff without meaning. No. Um, he says <clears throat> he said these past five years. Um, you know, like he's appreciative of, of the fans and the Laker faithful and stuff like that. And he turns, he looks at the crowd, and he says, he's like, these past five years, you guys have become my family as well. Like he says, like talking to the yeah. crowd. He's like, the Laker faithful. I was just like, <clears throat> when he said that, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, you know, obviously, if he wants to win more championships and it doesn't work, if he asks for a trade, it is what it is. He's earned that equity. But I was like, I think he kind of wants to stay here. 100%. And I don't think he's just—I don't think he's just saying that just to say that. And if we can't get him a, 
if the guy that we've got for him, whether he's handpicked by LeBron or not, if he's not able to stay healthy enough and we have to rely on a 39-year-old LeBron to be the number one guy on our team, I don't know if Anthony Davis is the guy that should be on this team. That's my personal opinion. And I think that's an evaluation that's going to happen um, like the rest of the season. And uh, it's probably not fair because it's only a 25-game sample size. But, like, this business is not fair. You know what I mean? Like, we just saw a, a guy get set up, you know, play 50 games off the bench. And, like, <laughs> for 50 games or for 49 games or whatever it was, there was no locker room issues. And literally the day before he gets traded, all of a sudden there's magically a locker room issue that, that shows up in the press. Like, that's just how this business works. So I think there's a lot more riding on – the, the end of this season, this last home stretch, than just, um, you know, whether we make the playoffs or not. Like, they're going to look at Anthony Davis. And they're going to see if, if, he, if he wants to be that guy um, or have the impact that he has. What, what, what do you think? You think it's a – what do you think of the idea that it's a more loaded situation? Um, well, well to, to your point, well, first, like, on the Russ stuff, can't really, like, speak to that. I just know, like, mo- even, like, so I, I expect stuff to come out with Kyrie. It's just kind of what – like, I think if John Collins got traded from the Hawks, you're going to hear stuff, right? And maybe it's more, you know, uh, exemplified because of Russ is in L.A. I think that's kind of the stuff that happens, especially when a player gets traded and it's it's so loud. But with the AD stuff, but Nate, I don't think you have a trade yesterday if AD doesn't return before the deadline. Do you agree with that, at least, or not? Like, do you agree that no trade would have happened if, um, if AD hadn't come back for this last – so he's played six games, I believe. But, like, if let's let's say – he wasn't back yet. Hundred percent, hundred percent agreement. If if he had not come back before the All Star yeah. break, and they they got to see him like move around a little bit, I don't think they would have made a trade. I, or or if they made a trade, it would have been a different kind of trade. Maybe not necessarily to add guys that can kind of help win. Now. They're not giving first um, round draft equity, in my opinion. Like yeah, they were not absolutely. giving first round yeah. draft, and they did not see AD play. Play number two. So how many games do you think this year? LeBron and AD have played together. You had to ballpark it. Uh, 13. People go low, which is funny. I've asked this question to a bunch of people. It's actually 25, but it feels lower than that, right? Wow. But still, 25 is low. We're, today's what, game 56, 55? It's a lot of games without each other. And I think that's the biggest part to me here is that – so LeBron sat tonight. Fine. He deserves that. But our sense of urgency hasn't matched where we are in the standings. Like even the last six games. That game against Port- against New Orleans, unacceptable. Defense in that game, absolutely unacceptable. I don't care who's on the team. The game against OKC, unacceptable. The defense in that game. The game against Indiana, we stuck out. That's fine. On the road. Game of the Knicks as well, we kind of messed around. Like, we, we punted a game against the Nets. Like, I, it's like we're not at the urgency level. And I think if you're going to have a team with AD and LeBron, you have to bake in AD missing 20, 25 games. That should be baked into your team uh, construction. It's kind of why Miles Turner was kind of attractive in a sense where, like, you can have a fill-in. He's not as good as AD, but at least it's a fill-in to kind of what you need. I think that has to be baked in. The Clippers bake in 30 games for Kawhi and Paul George to their team. Now, is that does that have other, you know, impact on your team? Absolutely. But I think that has to be baked in. LeBron is going to sit a ton of games as well just for old management, and which is fine. He's deserved that. 
but that's got to be baked into kind of your roster and your expectations. Uh, if they can't handle that, then I think, you know, they're, it'd be dumb not to look around. I just think you're not going to get the haul for AD. He's a free agent next year, yada, yada, yada. The injury concerns are there wherever he goes. I just think it, that's a worse path to go down. I think we're still in the LeBron and AD business, LeBron coming first. Um, but, look, if they're going to look around, I'd, I'm, I wouldn't, like, blame them. I just don't think you're going to get the rep, like the requisite value that it would take. Plus, you better get a star back that's of AD's caliber. Like, to me, I've seen this floated. You can't trade Anthony Davis for, for Pascal Siakam, in my opinion. Like, that, I don't think LeBron's getting excited for that. Like, I, I just don't think he's signing up for that. I know he wants to be here, yada, yada, yada. I, I, like, that's not something that, to me, you can do. I don't even know if Toronto does that. But, like, um, you know, we're in these trades, to me, like, tell that we're still in that kind of business. We'll see what happens in free agency. But you got to bake in AD missing 25, 30 games. Like, that's that's baked into your – that has to be baked into your, like, formula. Um, he's not – like, that's just what's happened. And it's not his fault. These are, like, not things to blame or put on him. That's just how his body kind of reacts to different type of physical contact. And you can call these freak injuries. Um, I hate the injury prone kind of label. I don't think that's the correct term, uh, but that should be baked into your creation of the roster. So a hundred percent, these last 20 games matter. Um, these last six games mattered. <clears throat> there's no trade without these last six games for AD. Were they great? Uh, there's some good games in there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's huge. And uh, these last six games decide the whole roster on us. I mean, these last 25 games decide the whole roster. To decide if Rui stays, if you know, like, are we going the full cast rate route? Do you want to resign some of these dudes? And it's not a long window for evaluation, but that's what happens when you make a trade with 25 games left. Um, so, so, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it definitely would have been more impactful if they had made some of these decisions. But, like, like you said, some of these trades may not have been available at the beginning of the season. You know, I, I'm going to say this. Um, I think. Just based on what the front office has said, and specifically Genie has said this mm-hmm. a lot, like availability is much, much more important to the front office um, than the superstar talent is. Like, <clears throat> I think if the Lakers had a guy who was less talented than AD, like not significantly less talented, but like I don't, I don't know who you who you put. Like, let's say Pascal Siakam, right? Like, we'll we'll use that okay. example. Like Siakam's not a superstar. Um, he's like a. Hopefully, there's no Raptors fans <laughs> listening because I know they get offended by everything. But like, like he's probably like a high B level star, like a Top high twenty five guy, second, maybe like. Yeah, probably. Like yeah, right. Like he's he's not like a he's not a one B. He's like a solid two. That's a right? good way. Like, yeah. Um. So if he's a solid two, then yeah, you know LeBron could sit out some games, and if you have a nice roster of. D'Lo, Beasley, and all these sort of guys around him, you could probably win some games. You know what I mean? Like it's against you know average teams or whatever it is. But if Pascal's playing those games, that works. That doesn't work if you have a one A and a one B, and the one B just keeps getting hurt. Like that, that doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like it, you're asking too much of the one A guy, and the problem is that our one A guy is LeBron. And if there's anybody that needs to be allowed to take. 2025 20, 30 games off a season it's lebron yeah. like it we like and so i agree with you that they have to figure out if they're going to keep ad they have to figure out a way to 
only have to have him play 60 games. But at the same time, if I'm looking at it the other way, let me put on my, um, you know, callous natured owner's hat, governor's hat. Do I really want a guy where I have to bake it like a 28 year old guy where I have to bake in, you know, 20, 22 games of rest just because of him? Or do I, would I rather move him? I'm not saying they should, but would I rather move him for Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent Jr.? You know what I mean? Like, or, or I'm not, that's a terrible, it's probably, a, you know, that's a terrible trade. So don't, don't take that at face value, but you no, know what I mean? Sure. Like, so <clears throat> something that's a little bit lesser where it's two, three guys, but I get more value, you know, like I, I, I could actually expect them to play every single game. And more importantly, I can get the same consistent effort, right? So like if LeBron sits out a game, I know what I'm going to get from AD. I don't have to worry about getting a passive 20 and 10 versus a normal 20 and 10 that I would expect out of AD. Like, I think those are like small nuances, nuances that like we just haven't, like there was a stretch of basketball, Raj, where for like eight games, he looked like the MVP the of the best league. Best player in the league. Yep. And he, he's just never, and then LeBron came back and it was supposed to add to it. And I understand basketball is not one plus one equals two. Like there's rhythm and touches and all that sort of stuff, but he hasn't even come back like close to that since then, and that's tough. Like I don't know. I I think it's much more difficult to navigate, and I think it's a tough decision. But if LeBron turns around and says, <clears throat> if he turns around and says, hey, yeah, I'll just take another one plus one. I'll opt in and add another year because you know mm-hmm. the Lakers have a 2024 pick and. You know, they're going to use it on Bronny. I think they got another one from the Clippers. They had like two 2024 20, picks now. Like, we'll try and bring Bronny here. Like, you probably have to look at it and be like, yo, we can't rely on LeBron to be the 1A. Like, he's a 1A talent, but we can't expect him to give us <clears throat> 1A reliability. Well, like, that's the thing, though. Like, I think we're in a league now where, I mean, the superstars that play every game are the rarity, right? Like, you look around the league. I mean, Jokic is one of them, uh, but I mean, the Clippers are paying Vene just, and this is they do this purposely, so it's not even like they're playing for like they're paying like for like fifty five games of Kawhi and hoping he's healthy, right? But the ceiling of your team, if Kawhi is healthy, is so high that you're you're willing to just eat the thirty games that he's going to manage. Paul George, same thing, pretty much. They treat him the same way. Um, he misses a ton of time. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not attacking the legitimacy of those injuries. I'm just saying, like, they bake in Paul George missing 15 and 20 games. Your roster needs to be up to that level. Like, to me, I think if you had more mid-tier type salary guys that could fill in, like, if you can go 500 without your stars, like, that's a win, right? Like, I think that's, like, a win if you can do that and then, like, dominate the games your stars play. Problem, Vinay, is we're not even – we're not dominating the games LeBron and AD play together. That's like the bigger issue too. The games that Le- yeah, the games I, LeBron I and AD are actually playing together. I have it pulled up here. Actually, I don't have the wins. Let's see. So they've played twenty five um, games together. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up here. Uh, how many are wins in that? I think it's like thirteen or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I was looking at the other day. I was looking at the net rating pairings when one of the big three is not on the floor, and like uh, LeBron and Russ was like plus thirteen. Russ and AD, AD were like a zero net rating, 
And I think I want to say <coughs> AD and LeBron together may have been a like a plus two or a plus three or something, like a really low net rating. And I was just really, like, really quickly, as you continue your point, we're yeah. 11 and 14. When those two play, those two, those two play. Forget injuries, forget AD out for 30 games. When those two play, we're 11 14. And again, we started two and 10. So that kind of messes with the stats, whatever. Those are games. Those are games played. There was regulation. There was a score, whatever. Um, Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryan are out. Okay, fine. I'll give you that a little bit. But 11 and 14, like, you're not doing crap if you're 11 and 14 with your two super mega stars playing. Forget what we are without them, right? So, like, to me, that's the issue. You got to go, like, can't do math right now, but you got to do, like, you got to have, like, at least 15 wins in that. You should be 15 and 10 in the games they yeah. play. And then maybe if you can go 500 without yeah. them, then you're fine. But if you're if you're playing both of them together and you're losing, you have a roster team scheme problem. That's the issue, right? And the Clippers, even with their struggles, yeah. they can always point to Kawhi and Paul George are plus 10 when they play or whatever, whatever record when they both of them play. And obviously, the pushback is like, well, they never play. But at least like when they do, there's a semblance of winning talent, whatever you want to put it. I'm not a Clipper fan, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but like, yeah. So like, I think that's the big issue. Not good when both of them play this year, let alone when AD's out. Um, so I don't know if that answer is that. But like that, we both watch every game. The basketball does not has not looked dominant when those two are on the floor. You just you just went through the net ratings as well. Um, to me, that's yeah. That, I was just saying. I think you're gonna. I think they're gonna really look at it for like these last twenty five games. Like I think they're going to say if AD is healthy. You know, obviously he's still working through his foot mm-hmm. injury. Like if we get and and we have a roster where the floor of the team is higher because we have more shooting, more floor balance, younger guys, blah blah. blah. Like what does it actually look like? And I think they're going to be looking very closely at the minutes that LeBron and AD play together because now they're not going to be. There should be no reason to, for like LeBron and AD to go to the bench together. Like I, I'm sure Ham's going to try it for a small stretch, but like we were doing that to Russ. Like for some reason, once AD and LeBron came back, we decided to stop staggering them all together. Like we were doing before, we just decided to play Russ by himself. Um, without LeBron and AD on the floor, they should probably get staggered again. But I think they're going to be really looking at those minutes to see like just kind of how it works out. Is it still the same, you know, where like the games start off and, you know, LeBron's just kind of has the ball and he's the one who's doing all the scoring and facilitating and stuff like that, or does it look different? Does it look better? Well, I'll, I'll be interested. To say, I think I think they're really going to be looking at it to see if this pairing can still work the way that it should. Yeah, for sure. So they played um, 350 minutes together um, this season, which is just extremely extremely low. So maybe they'll look at it. I just think like we're too in like now. Like I think moving AD just shifts you into a entirely different direction. I think there's. I think the title and then at least the following year um, gives enough at least uh, credence to that duo. And I, I'm still a believer in that duo as a, a dominant one when when both are healthy. Um, obviously, that caveat is extremely important, but I, I think like when both of them are healthy, are still can be a dominant duo with the correct lineups around it and, and all that and the correct kind of uh, scheme to kind of work around it. But I, I think they'd be fools not to kind of look. I just think like you're not going to find – anything through that you'd be trading ad at his lowest value too right like you would 
you'd be trading AD at the lowest probably point. I think that's always a dangerous situation. And Lakers don't trade stars either, especially ones that have won championships. Um, so I, I just I just can't see us going into that, uh, to falling into that. Um, but, I mean, you just talked about the availability. We're willing to throw two first-round picks for Kyrie Irving, right? Like, so. Yeah, that, that's exactly why I said, like, that's so what I was going to ask you, like, Let's say, let's say hypothetically, this is not hypothetical because I already <laughs> talked to you about it, but this is, I'm going to give you a hypothetical. This trade has already happened, so it, there's no harm in talking about it. Kevin Durant asked oh, out of, man, minutes, I know you're right? And th- that's literally what happened. Um, whenever Woj starts posting stuff that's very ominous about your team, you know, like Kevin Durant wanted to talk to, what was it? He said Kevin Durant wanted to talk to Josiah about yeah. the direction of the team. I was like, yeah, like Katie's gonna go ask out. Like, there's no direction of the team conversation going on here. Um, Kyrie asked out, so Katie's like, I'm not gonna stay here anymore. He said that in the off season, you guys wasted time, didn't give Kyrie the extension, so now he's gone. Um, if Katie had shown up and he had been on the trade block, and you have Anthony Davis, and um, the Nets come to you and say, okay, send us your two first rounders. <laughs> Give us all the pick swaps you have, all your second rounders, and we'll send you Kevin Durant and like salary filler or whatever it needs to be. Do you make that trade? Oh man, I so I've I've gone back and forth to this, and I've been asked this before too by you and and another person as well. I would really think about it, and I would also fear. Right? I mean, Kevin Durant, incredible. Obviously, you upgrade Kevin Durant's a better player than Anthony Davis. Full like stop. Like there's no, um, there's no question about that. I would be a little worried. Like Kevin Durant is what thirty four now. Um, pairing mm-hmm. that with thirty seven year old LeBron, plus you gave your two picks, plus you're gonna have to give up the swaps, whatever. I, I would really, really think hard about it. Um, I, I don't know. I go back and forth. I would. I first said no. I would like like to see this kind of iteration still. I think you can build a more balanced team around it. Um, but then, like you get KD and LeBron together. That's a dominant team as well. Where where are you at with it? Oh, uh, I I would have done it. Like, I, w- I would have I would have traded. No no thought I, I no thought to care. it. No no thought, and I think our front office would have done okay. it too. Um, but I don't think the Nets would have done it. You know, they they got like five first rounders out of the Suns. Can, and, we, can um, we just whatever pause really real is. quick? Like, really quick. <laughs> Did you? So, I just so Woj came out right, and he said um, this was the story he told, and I'm just not buying this bullshit but i'm gonna ask you if you bought it Walsh came out and said they traded kyrie irving for dorian finney smith and spencer dinwiddie and then went to kevin durant was like here we got you winning pieces and then kevin durant in chronological order is the story that Woj says this there's like no i don't like dennis dorian finney smith and spencer dinwiddie aren't enough trade me that makes no sense to me like to me if you're trading kyrie irving you know you're trading Kevin Durant. Like, I, I don't think those two things have to be in tandem. There's no way that was chronologically done. Or you failed as an organization, as a front office. Like, that that makes no sense to me. What do you think about that? Like, this is not to pump up Kyrie Irving to the Lakers. Like, I I think that would – I was kind of for that for sure. But, like, I just don't get that as, like, your, your plan of action, your chronological plan of action where you went and got winning now players and thought Jordan Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie – would turn Kevin Durant into a let's play this out. But what, what do you think about that? 
before we go into more Cam- yeah. Cam Durant for Anthony Davis. Yeah, so I joked with somebody. Uh, let me give me a second. Let me just scroll down and make sure there's no burner in here because I know what his burner is. So let me make sure it's not here. Okay, it's not in here. Okay, there's not that many people, so it's quickly I can scroll through. So, so I was talking to somebody um, who was I was talking to somebody that you know was with the Nets, um, very close to the Nets, uh, part of the team. I, I is what I would say. Um, and I told him, I said, you know, prior to Kyrie asking out, um, there was a report that came out that Joe Sy turned around and said, or the Nets ownership was saying that, you know, they're not worried about the contract extension conversation with Kyrie because if he wants to leave, they can just sign and trade him to whatever the destination is that he wants to go. If they can't come to a conclusion as to, you know, what their extensions would be. So in my mind, um, the way I interpreted that is, oh, they're trying to trap Kyrie into taking a team-friendly deal. And if they can trap Kyrie into taking a team, and then I use the word trap because, you know, I'm a player. Yeah, I support the players. If the basketball is good, the talent is there, you should pay the guys what they're worth. Um, their goal is to trap Kyrie into um, a deal because his market wouldn't be good in the offseason, right? There's not that many teams with cap space all the teams with cap space are like rebuilding teams. They're not ones that are going to give $40 million sure. to Kyrie. So I had told this individual, um, I had told this individual, they're going to try and trap Kyrie into this deal. Uh, and if they can't get him into this deal, like they'll probably move him. But that's their goal. <clears throat> and this person told me, <clears throat> very verbal, sarcastically, yeah, <clears throat> that Kyrie Irving would get whatever extension he wants from the Nets. It's going to be no question. Four days later, Kyrie's traded uh, because of the extension situation. The reason why I'm telling you this story is because um, when the Lakers went after Kyrie Irving, there was one stipulation, which is illegal, that the Lakers can't do, um, but every team does this, that the Lakers wouldn't adhere to. That's what I had heard. The two-year extension. That the original. Correct. The Lakers wanted, but the issue wasn't the two-year extension. The issue is that the Lakers did not want to risk Kyrie not wanting to sign a four-year extension in the offseason because that's how Kyrie is, right? Like he can wake up one morning his mind. and yeah. just change his mind. Yeah. And the risk that the Lakers did not – the reason why – so a lot of people are like getting they're, – they're getting mad at Joe Sy. Like Laker fans right now, they're like, oh, <clears throat> it's Joe Sy's fault that we don't have Kyrie. It's not Joe Sy's fault. That we don't have Kyrie. The reason why you don't have Kyrie is because the Lakers front office did not want to risk in in 25 games or whatever, Kyrie Irving deciding in the summer, nah, you know what? I actually don't want to say that's a fair fear. Like that's a fair fear. Right. So so they were concerned about him being a flight risk. So you know, obviously Dallas Dallas took the risk. You've seen some of the Dallas writers kind of posture a little bit and say, well, even if Kyrie doesn't stay, they'll have like max cap room to you know, put somebody next to Luca. Obviously, they're going to offer him the four-year max. It would be stupid not to do that. And uh, they just beat the Clippers, so he looks pretty good. And Kyrie wants his guaranteed money. Like, he doesn't really give a shit about anything else other than getting his guaranteed money. So as long as Dallas gives it to him, I think he'll be fine. But, like, they took that story of, you know, the failed trade with the Lakers. Um, and then Josiah... This is what Woj does. Woj does it on behalf of front offices. 
Josiah basically wrote the story, or Sean Marks wrote the story for Woj and said, we went and took the win now package instead. No, he didn't take the win now package. That was just the alternative because the Lakers refused to risk it for Kyrie. And Dallas was okay with doing it. And so I don't think they ever took that package. I don't think they ever went to Kevin Durant and no. said, this is me speculating. I don't know if this happened or not. This is just the way my brain works. I don't think they ever took Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith and whenever Kevin went to go meet with them, I don't think they ever said, yeah, look, we got you win-now players. We're committed to building a team around you. I think they went into that meeting and Kevin said, what the fuck are you guys doing? Why didn't you give Kyrie an extension? And they said, oh, you know, they must have said something. And then Kevin said, you need to trade me. And I think that's what happened. And I think he's well within his right to do that because he did that in the offseason and they kind of walked him off the plank. Um, but if they were never committed to giving him a trade extension, they should have known that this was going to be the case. And lo and behold, Kevin gets traded to Phoenix, the very same exact team that he was rumored to go to in the offseason. So I think that's what happened. That's my long answer. I don't buy anything that Woj is saying. He's been known to sort of write favorably on behalf of, you know, front office guys because they leak him information. Um, And I think this is just how – I think the really, really smart Nets fans kind of see through it because they've seen Joe Side do this kind of stuff before um, and and Sean Marks do this stuff before. But, like, I think that's how all of that stuff transpired. And that – Raj, have you seen, like, people say, like, I think Brian Windhorst said, like, oh, don't be surprised if Kyrie Irving ends up in Phoenix this summer. Insane. It's just absolutely insane. And I would (laughs) – honestly, like, full disclosure, I would not have been comfortable giving Kyrie a four-year deal. Like, you know, guy's an incredible – like talent obviously there's the issues off the court just I would not at all two-year deal even kind of strikes a little bit of fear in me like I just like Kyrie Irving can just decide one day to burn your franchise down and you'll do it like just there's like there's you'll turn it and he played well you're right against against the Clippers I'm interested to see how him and Luca kind of mesh I think it'll be a great offensive basketball fit I think there's defensive concerns but yeah, I just uh, getting in the business of Kyrie Irving, like you understand, you, we just went on a huge rant about Anthony Davis missing 20 games because of legit injury, right? Like it's a legit injury for Anthony Davis. He's legit out because he can't play. Kyrie Irving misses games on games on games for a lot of stuff. You look at his games played. I mean, it's just a super negative amount. But Vinay, a four seed though, like that's the part that just is so insane to me. Like the Nets were the four seed. They went 18, 18 and two before KD got hurt. Like you don't see this from winning teams, you know, like teams that are good, teams that like can legit win. Kyrie and KD were like carrying a good, a really good basketball team. That's where it's just like if that team can blow up, then like I just don't trust it at all. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to kind of look at the two stories there. But my problem isn't Woj. My problem was all the basketball people selling that as a win now move. That was my bigger issue ton of people went on and said, you know, look, they got Dorian Finney-Smith now, Spencer Dinwiddie put next to Claxton and KD can work with that. He has two wings that can shoot. I was like, stop it. Like, there's there's no way KD is staying there, and I didn't think maybe he'll stay to the – I thought he would stay to the trade deadline at least. I was not expecting him to get moved, but, yeah, the whole league kind of shifted now. He's in Phoenix. I think that's going to work pretty well if they're healthy. Um, but, yeah, I think that was just really weird, and, you know, if you – I think, you know, you can kind of learn a lesson from that. Like, if you want to move Anthony Davis, you better be hell fucking – you better be right. You better move him for the exact right piece. You better, like, get the right return. I don't trust the front office to do either of those things. Like, 
you know what I mean? Plus, you put the clutch factor into it as well. Like, just there's a lot of factors there where I just, I, I don't see that the route being taken. I think you have to live with AD missing kind of 20, 25 games, and you hope that he stays healthy enough to where you build a roster that kind of, kind of build through that. But trading him for KD, oh, man, that's a that's one that would make me lose sleep for sure. Yeah, no, that, that that makes a ton of sense, um, Raj. It has been an hour and a half. I'm sorry to abruptly cut this off for you, but I have a baby that's now crying because I gotta get I gotta get her milk. I gotta um, I gotta go rewatch this always, game now. But yeah, yeah, go tor- go torture yourself as you usually do. Um, as always, I appreciate all the folks that jumped in um, and and you know listened to us blather on about Lakers basketball. Be very curious to see how uh, you know the Saturday game goes and how these guys all work stuff out. Um, and as always, dude, I always appreciate you jumping on. Um, I'm sure we'll do this now a little bit more, uh, especially if we can get some wins together. Yep. It'd be really nice. Raj, you do the you do the watch playback thing. I think with Aaron on, um, shoot, on what playback. is that app called? The mm-hmm. uh, playback. Yeah. So you guys, anybody who's listening, you can follow Raj. He's very knowledgeable, very entertaining, um, very objective. Uh, if you're if you're sick and tired of all the gaslighting and the negative stuff that goes out with this team. Um, but as always, uh, I appreciate you Raj joining and I appreciate all the folks listening in and, uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Yep. Take it easy.